Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. And this is Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And we are doing lots of shows recently about feelings and we did one last week where we talked a lot about what feelings really are what happens with feelings how to deal with feelings and we talked about different parts of the the feeling realms that we have and we have sad mad glad scared and then sometimes we have just this anxiousness that a lot of times is a combination of those feelings as well And so I want you to think about today about this idea of fear and what fear really is. And so this this verse out of Deuteronomy is one of my favorite verses, and it's Deuteronomy 31.6, and it says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. The Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now, I know that that's nebulous, and we would many times like something or someone right next to us. And this is why we have a tendency to have all these helps that we, that we use, whether that be uh, feeling, you know, desiring to feel good, whether that be food, whether it be alcohol, whether it be sleep, whether it be um, running away, whatever it is that we do to manage this feeling that we don't think we can handle the next moment. So I want you to think about this, that see, trust is learned very early in life, and it starts when we are newly born. And the question then is, did you trust your caregiver? So this is what I want you to think about. If your caregiver is God, then don't forget to be a little child with him. He is your compliment. You can give someone is your trust. The best way to compliment God is to give him your trust. So trust the one who died for you. Ask yourself, what do I trust more than God? Do I trust money, power, possessions, favor, popularity, positive feelings? Why is it that God is oftentimes our last resort? Well, I I can tell you personally why that may be for me. It's nebulous. You know, I, I want concrete things. I want something immediately. I want to fix it right now. 
I don't want to have to depend on this nebulous being that I can't always figure out or don't know who or what he is or if he really is. So when we think about anxiety, this particular emotion is most effectively handled with a spiritual life. Now, I'm not going to tell you what kind of spirituality you need to have. I am going to tell you that you have to have something that's bigger than you that you can trust. Something that you can believe in, that you know is on your side, is looking out for you and wants you to succeed. And so spirituality is one of these things that is really important in dealing with the feeling of anger or fear. And so we can be afraid, we can be worried, upset, on edge, but we still can be at peace. See, this is a choice versus letting time reveal truth. I want you to be willing to wait for the experience, letting time tell you the truth versus believing all of your feelings. And, and I've said this so many times on the show, you know, don't believe everything you feel. Don't believe everything you think. Check it out. That means you need time. So let's look at this wonderful acronym I love. Uh, it's F-E-A-R, fear. False evidence appearing real. And that has really helped me over the years when I've thought, you know, maybe this is just false evidence appearing real. Maybe I don't really need to be afraid. Maybe I don't need to be worried or concerned or upset or anxious. See, brave people are those that recognize fear and focus on the goal, letting fear energize them versus paralyze them. Now, that's a saying that, that really God gave me when I was contending with anxiety. Because, I, you know, I've told you many times I'm a very sensitive person. I'm a creative person. I, you know, I, have, I really do have very brave moments. Like, I like to take risks. But I can get kind of anxious. And I can get worried. Like, I don't like letting people down. I don't like being misperceived. I don't like thinking that I made a mistake and it really messed up somebody else's day. And so I have to practice being brave. And if I'm a brave person, it means that I recognize fear and I still focus on the goal. And I let fear actually energize me versus paralyze me. So when God said to us, peace be with you, he meant that. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world does. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. Now, I think that can sound to us like, seriously, have you been down here? <laughs> I mean, we all know the answer to that, right? But it's the same thing that little kids feel when they have to borrow, you know, from their parents, the fact that their parents aren't afraid. So they have to borrow those feelings. And many times clients borrow feelings from me. And I say, you know, I'm not really worried, so worried about this. And they're like, really? I'm like, uh-huh, I'm really not. I think we're doing a, you know, a good job, and I think it's going to turn out, and I think we need to keep going. And so they borrow that confidence from me. And this is why it's important for you to say to yourself, I need to be that person for me. So I want you to think about this idea that worry and peace 
cannot coexist. One of them is going to win. Typically, unfortunately, worry is the winner. So think about that again. Worry and peace cannot coexist. And you know I've talked to you lots of times about the, the book, How Words, Words Can Change Your Brain. And what they have found is this very interesting phenomenon about the human brain. It's like an on and off switch. It cannot focus on both a positive and a negative feeling at the same time. That's interesting, isn't it? This was a huge discovery. And as a result, they also discovered that the brain will always pick the negative before the positive as an unconscious survival mechanism. So if you've ever been with someone, you know, that, that kind of has an Eeyore mentality, right? That they're always like, well, it's probably not going to work, and we never should have tried, and this is really stupid, and I'm really dumb, and all this stuff that really what the brain is doing is trying to manage fear. And so it goes to the negative, the thing that hurts the most, and believes that before the positive. See, our, our brains are always trying to help us avoid pain. And as a result, it's going to focus on the problem rather than the solution as a way to change it and protect against the pain of the problem. However, it really does work in reverse. So we all know that famous verse in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 23, 7. And I say this to clients daily. And I've, had, I've said it to myself for years. For as a man thinketh within, so he is. And if you've listened to the show before, you know we did the show about how our, our brain works. And that it's just like a computer, just like the, the, um, the, the mapping in your car, that all you have to do is put in an address, and your car will take you there. And even if you try to reroute yourself, it still brings you back to its original goal. And so it's very important that you understand as you think within yourself, it will become that. You will walk that out unless you intervene on yourself. So I worry about things, people, and situations. And the more anxious I become and the more my mind finds to worry about, what happens? See, if I were to instead focus on what is, it now begins to focus on the what if. So what does that mean? What it means is that we then take control of that whole entire mapping system in our brain. And we decide the route. And we decide if we're going to follow the route or if we're going to reroute ourselves. <coughs> so I want you to think about this. In Matthew um, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, and I'm going to start at verse 27. I love this. It says, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen the color and design quite like it? See, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. You know, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so pr preoccupied with getting, 
because I want you to be able to respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he worked fuss over so many things. And those of us that do know God fuss maybe sometimes even more. So steep your life in a God reality, a God initiative, a God provision. This is why the, we need to have this spirituality piece. And I, you know I'm a Christian, so that's, that's the, the spirituality that I adhere to. That's what works for me. But I have many clients that are not. And they are very helped by knowing that they have to have some type of spirituality that's bigger than them, that they know that they can believe in. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about anxiety and how to deal with it, especially going into the Christmas season. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for listening today. And I always like to thank you for all the appearances that you make on social media and letting me know what really helps and what really is something that you are needing to hear. So we are talking today about anxiety because we have been really focusing on all these different feeling groups. And we've talked about anger, sadness, gladness. We ha- and so now we're talking today about fear. And anxiety is one of the biggest expressions of fear that we have because as most Americans excuse me we don't really have that many things to fear when it comes to our life we're not fighting battles every day that are you know with guns and and ammunition and spears and running from a you know a bear or something like this so our fears are more how we think and and not being able to get what we may need and so they are a lot more nebulous. So let's look at some common symptoms of anxiety because this, this sometimes helps people when they're thinking about, I don't really know what I'm feeling. I'm just not good. So what you're going to find, find many times is a skipping or a racing or a pounding of your heart for no reason. You're going to look around outside and everything seems fine. But for some reason, you're having a hard time catching your breath. You feel like your heart is pounding. Maybe you start sweating. How about tightness in your chest, pain or pressure? This is why many people who have really high anxiety sometimes find themselves in the emergency room because they're really sure they're having a heart attack when actually it's anxiety. So you might feel tingling or numbness in your toes or fingers, butterflies or discomfort in your stomach. You know, our, in, our intestines... You know, that part of our body is so sensitive to feelings. And so many times we will have some intestinal issues when we're super anxious, super upset. So you might get things like constipation and diarrhea. How about restlessness? How about, have have you known anyone that's really jumpy? Like you walk in the room and they jump and they go, oh, hi, you know, or you touch their arm and they jump. And so jumpiness is, is one of those, those fight, flight, or freeze mechanisms in our brain, that if we're anxious and we're fearing that there's something that's going to harm us, and in our world, it's, it's usually not physical. It's usually an emotional, intellectual, social harm 
someone doesn't like me, I don't perform well on my job, my kids are messing up, whatever, whatever that may be. And so we might get jumpy and have really tense muscles. How about sweating when it's not hot outside? That can be also pretty embarrassing, which gives us more anxiety, right? You might feel a lump in your throat. You might have a hard time swallowing. How about this? Trembling or shaking. Usually what we find is that people that have a lot of anxiety, if they get kind of shaky, it has a lot to do with too much adrenaline. So your body has released a whole bunch of adrenaline because it thinks you have to run away from a monster. Meanwhile, you're just sitting there in a meeting and you're having all kinds of shaky feelings. So think about how, whether or not the feeling is real and if it's true. Now, we've talked in other shows about that idea that feelings are very real, but not always true. So what if I feel dizzy or lightheaded or off balance? Well, that, that absolutely happens many times with anxiety because we have a tendency to hold our breath. And so you might see someone that really holds their breath and then they finally let it out and they have a hard time getting a breath again. And so we get this choking or smothering sensation. We might get hot flashes or cold chills. Either way, though, it's very exhausting. So we get tired, weak, easily exhausted, and then you know what happens? Our emotional realm weakens. And so we don't deal with our emotions very well. So we might get critical of people. We might get nasty. We might say things we wish we didn't say. We might shut down and not say the things that we should be saying. And so anxiety is a really frustrating, problematic issue. Nobody likes it, but I want you to know that I would rather you have it than not. Because if you didn't have that part of your brain that was looking out for you and wanting to make sure you were safe, you wouldn't survive your life. So what can we do about this? What can we do about anxiety? Well, if you're plagued with panic attacks or phobias or obsessive thoughts, whatever, you know, psychiatrists estimate that probably anxiety disorders affect about 26 million Americans. That's about 10% of the population. Now, this is a little bit older um, study, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the things are higher, that these numbers are higher. So some sufferers, you know, wrongly convinced that anxiety is a sign of personal weakness, and many times they're too ashamed to ask for help. And so others describe their sweaty palms and racing thoughts and pounding hearts, and, you know, they may say to their doctor, oh, I just, you know, it's just my nerves. And so let's look at what the many faces of anxiety is. Because we have a lot of diagnoses that we use when we're looking at anxiety. And the first one is a panic disorder. Now, panic, that's often accompanied by chest pain, shortness of breath. It comes over you suddenly. And a lot of times without apparent reason. So it makes your anxiety spike because you can't figure out why you're so anxious. So if the only thing you hear today from me about this topic is to breathe, you'll be farther ahead of anyone else that has anxiety and doesn't have it treated. 
because oxygen is the way that our body recognizes that we can relax. Oxygen is the one thing we cannot live without for very long periods of time. Food, water, shelter, clothing, we can live without those for a while. Oxygen, we cannot. And so this is where you want to say to yourself, I need to just relax my body, take a really deep breath as best as I can, and even if I can't get a deep breath, I'm still going to relax all of my muscles. And what it does is it gives your brain a different experience. Once you relax your muscles and breathe, your brain goes, oh, maybe there isn't anything to be afraid of. And it takes that signal and helps you relax. So it's really important that panic disorder phobias, many times phobias, are part of having an anxiety disorder. Maybe you know someone that has an obsessive compulsive disorder. And they're persistently checking, 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 trying to get things to be perfect so they can settle down inside. Or maybe you just have a generalized anxiety disorder. And this means that, you know, it's not always there, but when it shows up, it's really frustrating. And you just kind of always feel a little bit on edge. And then we have, you know, the big one, the post-traumatic stress disorder. And this comes with nightmares, flashbacks, panic attacks that can occur years after the event. And so this, th these are really things that I want you to know should be treated. I don't want you to try to fix these on your own. I want this education that you're having today to help you to say to yourself, there, there are ways I can deal with this. I can't, so I don't have to let anxiety, panic, fear you know, hijack my life. And I don't have to be embarrassed about it. Because when you think about Jesus dying on the cross, okay, he's, he's sweating drops of blood. This is how anxious he was, how upset, how despairing he was. So this is Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of anxiety. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. If you're just joining in, you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for listening. And you can also look at your, your favorite podcast server, and you can listen to the show as well. And so thank you as well for telling your friends about it and encouraging other people to listen. I really appreciate the fact that we are wanting to make the earth, the world, the people in our lives healthier. And, and this is really important. The healthier you are, the easier it is for other people to follow suit. And so you working on you and you doing what you're doing, even today listening to this show, is very helpful in the community that you interact with. And having answers and having ideas for others is very important. And this idea of anxiety, of fear, is one of the most prevalent problems that we have. And unfortunately... High anxiety and fear many times leads to depression because it, it's so exhausting. So I really want to encourage you that if you are, if any of this is resonating with you, you know, just call your, your, care, your caregiver, you know, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm, if I'm struggling with this. And it doesn't necessarily mean you'll need medication. You can do lots of different things. There's a lot of physical things that you can do to help with it, a lot of meditative things. But I really want you to enjoy the life that you have. So when we think about this, this idea 
of anxiety, I, I want you to think about one of the biggest struggles that Americans have that is creating so much anxiety is this idea of perfectionism. And, you know, it's a tough one. And one of the ways that God helped me to let go of perfectionism is he kind of, he, he kind of mocked me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he was still nice about it, but he said, Cynthia, really, you're trying to be perfect. You don't even know what perfect is. You've never even seen perfect. You've seen what's great, what's excellent, but you've always had to compare it to something else. So perfect is ridiculous for us to pursue. Excellence, absolutely. And when I talk to clients, as well as me, I remind myself I'm not striving for perfection because I don't really even know exactly what it looks like. And I can't actually ever get there because I'm imperfect. So if I'm imperfect, how can I make something perfect? What I can do is be excellent in what I do. And if I'm not, I show up the next time and I do it better. And I don't beat myself up for it. And I don't, I don't lose all kinds of confidence in myself and ha become self-doubting. I recognize that every day, every moment, the next minute actually, gives me another opportunity to try. And it's the striving that is admirable. Think about the people in your life that keep working really hard, that keep striving to be better, that want to give you the best that they have. Well, these are admirable people, but not perfect people. So when you struggle with perfectionism, you're going to find that you have a lot of trouble with frustration, depression, anxiety, and even anger. Because you can't ever meet the standards that you set for yourself. I mean, have you been told that your standards are too high? Ask yourself, do my standards get in the way? Do they make it difficult for me to meet deadlines or finish a task or trust others or do anything spontaneously? Perfectionistic feelings are things like depression, frustration, anxiousness, even anger. Especially if you constantly criticize yourself for not doing a good enough job. It's black and white thinking. We get catastrophic thinking where we think if we make a mistake, the world is going to end. I'm never going to be able to recover from it. And we overestimate. And we do lots of shoulds. I tell clients all the time, stop shoulding on yourself. You know, I should never make a mistake. I should never come across nervous. I should never have a feeling. I should have a perfect body. I should have, a, you know, more money. Whatever it is, these shoulds are going to make you more anxious. You have to decide the goals that you want to try to achieve. And you want to make sure that you break them up into something that's reasonable so that you don't try to start at the top, the arrival point, but you say, what next thing can I do that would get me closer to that goal? What's the next thing that I could do? And rejoice in the things that you've accomplished. So this is really important that we don't go into especially the holiday time, with perfectionism. It really creates a lot of arguments, and it creates a lot of hurt, a lot of fear, and it steals from the event. And so we have Christmas and New Year's coming up. I don't want you to be perfectionistic in trying to make those events perfect. I want you to enjoy creating the event 
anticipating the event, thinking of the people that you're going to see at the events, and just doing the best you can. Not striving for perfection. It'll make everybody else anxious at the event anyways. So join me in the next segment. This is our last segment. As we talk more about this idea of anxiety and we don't want it stealing from our holidays. Good afternoon, I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me, and if you're just tuning in, we are talking about perfectionism. We are talking about holiday times. We are talking about fear, and how we deal with fear and anxiety, and what they look like. So if you're just tuning in, make sure that you go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, or to any of your favorite podcast servers, and just type in Conversations with Cynthia. And you can listen to the show that we have, because we're in the last segment at this moment. So let's talk more about this idea of perfectionism and what it really does. Because see, what perfectionism does, more than anything, is steal our peace. And God is, is a God of peace, and he came to bring us and give us peace. And I don't know about you, but wow, when I'm at peace, there's nothing like it. All of a sudden, you know, stuff that I was so worried and upset about really don't matter that much. When I'm at peace with me, with others, with the world, with God, with whatever, see, that's a whole different experience that God is really wanting me to have on an ongoing basis. And so peace is one of those things that is completely at enmity with anxiety. Anxiety and fear and peace cannot coexist. There's no possible way. You can't do them both at one time. So usually because the energy of anxiety or fear is so compelling, it usually kind of wins out over peace. So we want to protect our peace, right? And see, peace is very similar in some ways to acceptance. And we've talked about acceptance, you know, acceptance the key to all my problems, right? And that I can accept things I don't necessarily agree with. I can accept things because there's nothing I can do about it. So it doesn't mean when I accept something that I necessarily am going to try to reproduce it or that I'm going to engage in it or that I'm even going to agree with it. But many times the pathway to peace is accepting the things I can't change, right? changing the things that I can. And you have to become more mature and healthier to really figure out what you actually can change. And if you can't, how to accept that with grace and maturity. So we have this issue about peace. Why don't we have peace? Why don't we have peace in our homes, in our world, in ourselves, in our relationships? We're not at peace with God. So I want you to ask yourself, are you at peace right now? Why do we not have perpetual peace when we say that our God is a God of peace? That the Holy Spirit dwells within us to give us peace? How do countries stay at peace? Well, they're committed to keeping peace and they practice. So how do we stay at peace within our relationships? We need to be committed and we need to practice. 
So what gets in the way of peace, okay? What would stop peace from being able to reveal itself, to be experienced? Well, we have kind of two camps. And the first one is this holding on type of an issue or having a spirit of fear. See, it's worry. It's carrying my own burdens. It's negative thinking. It's a lack of trust. And so this holding on idea is a control issue, right? So how many of you, similar to me in my life, try to find peace through effort and changing things, convincing people of something? See, peace is generally an issue of acceptance. I can be at peace and, and, and not agree with what's going on at the same time. I can be at peace and know that, hey, if I could do something, I would. If I can't do anything about this, I'm not going to fret. I'm going to stay peaceful. So worry, carrying my own burdens, negative thinking. And it's also really, truly a lack of, uh, a lack of trust. The more I can, I can trust God, trust myself, okay? Trust maybe friends, neighbors, husband, wives, whoever that is. If I can really work on this feeling of trust, and trust does not mean, again, perfectionism. I trust in my husband. He's not perfect. He doesn't do it right every time. He messes up sometimes. I've done way more, I think, than he ever has. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for his acceptance of me. But we can live at peace even though things aren't perfect. We can live at peace even though we don't like maybe what somebody's doing or, or hasn't done something that they were supposed to do. We can still live at peace because we trust. And so the main thing I want you to think about is if you can't trust God, if you can't trust you, then how can you expect to be able to trust other people? Because what's going to happen if you don't even trust yourself or trust God is you won't know how to pick a trustworthy person. So what's the second way that, that gets in the way of, of us having peace? Well, that's being at war with the world, others, or ourselves. So it's wanting it my way. It's being unwilling to practice acceptance, appropriate acceptance. It's resisting maybe God's will. How about it's making opinions more important than relationships? This is how I'm at war with myself, others, and the world, is if my opinions become so much more important than the relationship I'm trying to have. Another really big one that chases peace away like in a sprint is refusing to forgive. Now, we've talked about forgiveness before. We're going to talk about it again because forgiveness is a big one. But refusing to forgive people. So I want you to recognize that forgiveness does not always mean uh, intimacy. See, I can, I can forgive people that I may not enter into a relationship with again. Maybe the people are not safe. So part of me being a healthy person is saying I'm not going to be in relationship with that person. I have forgiven them. I have forgiven them. 
And so that's important to recognize that I can forgive people and not reestablish relationship with them. But I need to forgive for my own benefit. But it also sets them free for God to be able to work on them. Because if I'm holding grudges and resentments against somebody, that's a powerful thing to have to be throwing out there. So it's really important for us to recognize I have to work on letting go of my own way, even though it seems like a really good way. And I need to recognize that peace is one of the hallmarks of the right way. If I experience peace, it usually means that truth has been exposed. Because truth always brings peace. Now, it doesn't always necessarily feel good, but it is a very grounding feeling. How about making opinions, you know, like we said, more important than relationships? Are, are you willing to fight over something just because you want to be right? How important is the relationship to you? So what I want you to understand is I have certainly entered into arguments before, and usually I will debate or argue if it is something that, that I have come to know is true, that is important, that is a, an edict that I, I think should be respected and admired. However, I will never, ever do it to the point of losing the relationship. I, w- I won't do that. I, I want to, to let people know what my opinions are if they are interested. But it's more important that the relationship is okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're best buddies. It means that we're at peace with one another. It means that I can say to them, you know what? Hey, I hear what you're saying. You've heard what I've been saying. We're probably not going to come to an agreement on this, but I'm glad we talked about it. It was good to hear what you think. And I can be at peace with that person. And they're refusing to forgive. And that is a tough one. And that's why I, I come back to it. I want you to think about forgiveness is one of the best ways to set you free and will help you make better decisions and have better judgment in the future. And forgiveness does not mean something's okay. If it were okay, we wouldn't need to forgive it. So this last thing that gets in the way of peace is this issue of judgment. And I know that you have experienced in our culture the same as I have, that judgment is off the charts. I I cannot believe how judgmental our society is. That everybody thinks they have a handle on what's true, what's right, what's real, what should be. And people are not necessarily willing to talk about why that might not be a good, you know, idea. And so I want you to think about how much judgment do you fall into? Do you judge the way a person talks? Do you judge the way they look? Do you judge who they know? Do you judge their behaviors? Are you being judgmental in terms of interacting with someone and always deciding whether or not they're better than you or less than you or whether or not they're stupid or, or smart or pretty or successful or, wow, I want to make sure that I keep you know, that, that door open with that person because maybe I can take advantage of that in the future. And so I want you to think about judgment. Are you looking at the person on the street and judging them immediately based on their circumstances? Do you know their story? Now, that doesn't mean 
that we shouldn't practice having good judgment, sound judgment, maturity in our judgment. But the judgment that we might impose on others in determining whether or not they're a valuable person, a person that's worthy of time, or if they're just a castaway person. Like, I have no use for that person, so I don't care. See, this kind of judgment that we're judging people based on what it is that we want or can glean from them, that's going to give you a problem. And making snap judgments based on one incident and not knowing the whole story. So these things are going to give you great anxiety because you will not be able to find peace. So I hope this has helped you today because I want you to really think about as you go into the holidays and you're going to interact with a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. I want you to be able to find peace and I want you to be able to not fall into judgmentalism. That doesn't mean I don't want you to stop practicing good judgment like not drinking and driving or something, right? But I want you to think about what am I trying to do here? What is this season going to mean to me? At the end of this, as we go into the brand new year, what am I going to have learned from this last year? And what are going to be my takeaways? So again, worry and peace can't, can't coexist. And this is what Jesus says in, in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you would have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the spirituality piece. I want you to know that you have to have some form of spirituality to have some form of peace. And I'm not telling you what to have. I'm just telling you as a, as a retired psychotherapist, you have to have a code. You have to have a value system. You have to have something that you believe in bigger than yourself in order for you to find peace. So God bless you. I look forward to talking to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please Take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be